from old wives' tales to fairy stories, folk tales have been at the very heart of human culture. The modern version of these stories are urban legends. Whether told around the campfire or whispered during a sleepover, the popularity of this genre cannot be disputed. Today, I'll bring you five urban legends from around the world. One. This first story comes from Japan and features a pretty unique form of revenge. It's known as the manhole. There was once a girl called Mayumi. One day, when she was walking towards the school, she caught sight of another girl ahead of her on the street, wearing the same school uniform as her. The girl was her classmate, and was often the target of bullying in the class. Now, bullying could often get extreme in an all-girls school like Mayumi's. Sometimes, her classmates just ignored the girl, and at other times, they would do things like putting used sanitary items on the girl's desk. The teachers knew about the bullying, but pretended that they didn't see it. Mayumi had no particular feelings towards the girl, but she didn't dare to be the odd one out, and so bullied the girl along with the rest of the class. She remembered saying some pretty cruel things to the girl in the past. Mayumi got closer, and noticed the girl was looking very happy, and somehow she kept jumping on the same spot. Mayumi was puzzled. The spot where she was jumping was a manhole. Why was she jumping like that? Smiling like mad. Nine, 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 nine. The girl kept muttering while she jumped. What are you doing? Mayumi asked the girl. But the girl didn't answer, and just went on muttering. Nine, 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 nine. Hey, don't you ignore me. Mayumi said with more heat in her voice. But still, the girl said nothing. Until that moment, Mayumi never despised the girl like the others did. But what with the girl enjoying herself, and ignoring her completely, a sudden feeling of anger welled up in her. Why the hell are you doing that? She asked once again. But the girl went on jumping happily as before. As if she hadn't heard Mayumi's outburst. Suddenly, a strange idea occurred to Mayumi, that maybe this jumping on the manhole as you say numbers is a very wonderful and interesting thing to do. It was a stupid idea, Mayumi knew, but she felt confused about her feelings, and at the same time, found herself wanting to make the girl stop what she was doing. Mayumi somehow couldn't accept that someone like her was enjoying herself in that way. Move. I'll try that myself, Mayumi said and pushing the girl away, stood on the manhole herself. Mayumi bent her knees before making a big jump. At the exact moment she launched herself into the air, the girl who had been pushed away, quickly, and using all her strength, removed the lid of the manhole. Mayumi fell right into it. The girl put the lid back on, and smiling with satisfaction, started jumping again this time, muttering, ten, 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 two. Beijing, China, is the setting for our next tale, The Midnight Bus. A young man was on his way home late one night. The streets were empty, 
except for the occasional motorist. And the only one at the bus stop with him was an old man. The midnight bus arrived, and they boarded it without any fuss. The old man took a seat near the front of the bus, while the young man sat a couple of rows behind him. There were no other passengers on board. After a while, the bus stopped, and two new passengers climbed aboard and sat behind the driver's seat. Several minutes later, the old man suddenly stood up and confronted the young man. He looked angry and accused the young man of stealing his wallet. The young man was angry at being accused of something so preposterous. The argument became more heated until the old man angrily declared that both of them must get off the bus and settle their argument at the nearest police station. The young man, at first, did not want to go with the old man, but then relented just to settle the matter and prove his innocence. When they got off and the bus zoomed away, the young man was startled to see the old man was no longer angry. In fact, he looked relieved. When he asked the old man what it was all about, the old man answered, I just saved both our lives. To which the young man responded with a confused, Huh? Did you see the two passengers? Yeah, so what? replied the young man, still miffed and bewildered. Well, unlike you, I took a closer look. They have no feet. They were just floating on air. The next day, the news was all about the midnight bus. It had gone missing, along with its driver. For several days, the police tried to locate the bus, and finally found it more than a hundred kilometres away from its regular route. Inside the bus was the badly decomposed body of the driver. The authorities were even more perplexed and horrified when, upon checking the tank, they found blood instead of petrol. Three. In the Victorian era, there was a genuine fear of being buried alive, and rightly so, as the medical profession hadn't quite nailed the ability to tell whether somebody was truly dead or not. As a way around this, well-off people would commission special safety coffins. These coffins were built with a hole in the lid, and a long copper tube would be fitted. A small bell was attached to the top of the tube, with the cord running down the inside. This meant that anybody trapped six feet under would still be able to breathe and attract attention to their predicament using the bell. The first person on the scene was usually the grave digger. In a small town in the north of England, the local grave digger heard a bell ringing one night. He was accustomed to hearing bells ring in his graveyard. Sometimes it was just local children playing a prank. Other times it was just the wind. This time, he was shocked to see that the cord ringing the bell was being pulled from deep underground. The gravedigger put his ear to the top of the copper tube and listened. He heard a faint voice from below, begging and pleading to be released from the grave. The man looked at the name on the headstone. Are you Sarah Bannon? he asked. Yes, the muffled voice cried. Were you born on the 17th of September, 1807? Yes, yes, 
came the answer from deep below. The headstone says you died on the 20th of February, 1859. No, no, I didn't die, cried the voice. I'm still alive. They, they made a big mistake. Dig me up. I, I beg you. Sorry, lady, said the gravedigger, detaching the bell from its cord to silence it and plugging up the copper tube with dirt. This is August 1859. Whatever you are down there, you sure as hell ain't alive no more, and you sure as hell ain't coming back up. Four. Our next legend takes us across the Atlantic to Virginia, home of the Bunny Man. After the Civil War, Fairfax County, Virginia, became more populated, and eventually an insane asylum was built there. Now, nobody wanted to live near the asylum, and because of the public outrage, the institution was soon shut down. The administration transferred the patients, and in 1904, the process was completed. During the transfer, some of the patients escaped and hid in the surrounding woods and forest. These individuals were lost, delusional, and dangerous. Most of them were found, except Marcus Lorster and Douglas Griffin. The local authorities found a trail they believed belonged to them, littered with half-eaten, mutilated bunny rabbits. The trail led deep into the woods to a tunnel bridge, crossing a wide creek. There, they found Marcus hanging from the tunnel entrance. There was a note attached to his foot that said, You'll never find me, no matter how hard you try. Signed, The Bunny Man. That tunnel has been called Bunny Man Bridge ever since. Local legend says that if you walk all the way down the tunnel at around midnight... The bunny man will grab you and hang you from the entrance of the bridge, just like he did to Marcus Lorster. Strange deaths and phenomena have been connected to the bunny man bridge. There was a young man from Clifton, Virginia, who came upon the bridge while travelling. Later, he killed his parents and dragged their bodies into the woods to hang them from the bridge and then kill himself. In 1943, three teenagers, two men and a young woman, were at the Bunnyman Bridge for Halloween night. The three youths were later found dead, hung from the bridge, with their bodies slashed open, all with notes attached to their feet, saying the same thing. You'll never catch the Bunnyman. Finally, we come to one of my favourite urban legends, the Green Man. Among Pittsburgh natives, the story of the spectral Green Man is a staple of local lore. On the outskirts of Pittsburgh, near where Piney Fork empties into Peters Creek, there's an old, neglected railroad tunnel, covered in graffiti and filled with road salt. 
It was built in 1924 as the Piney Fork Tunnel to service coal mines along the Pennsylvania Railroad's Peter Creek branch. Abandoned since 1962, the locals have given it another name. To many people, this is the Green Man Tunnel. Alternatively known as Charlie No-Face, the Green Man is said to have been an electrical worker who was in an accident that melted his face and killed him. His ghost has subsequently been seen near the site of the accident, which is thought to have occurred in the Green Man Tunnel. People who drive into the tunnel turn off their lights and call out to the Green Man will see him appear from the darkness. His skin, tinged green and glowing from the accident. His face melted into a facade of pure horror. If he touches your car, his electrical charge will either stall the vehicle or make it extremely difficult to start. And if you're unable to escape, who knows just what the green man will do to you. Now, this might sound like just another urban legend, but the green man is different mainly because his name was Raymond Robinson. Ray was born in October 1910 and grew up just south of Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. At a young age, Ray's life changed forever. He was with some friends on the bridge near 4th Street, which carried the Harmony Trolley over Wallace Creek, when the kids saw a bird's nest high in the girders carrying the overhead wires. Ray was dared to climb up to it, and did. When he reached the top, he made contact with the wire carrying 22,000 volts of electricity. The force of the jolt threw him down to the bridge with severe burns on his face and body. Hospital doctors didn't expect him to live, but by some miracle he did. The incident left a permanent mark on Ray. His left arm was amputated at the elbow and his body riddled with scar tissue. His face bore the brunt of the damage. Ray lost his nose, his eyes, and his mouth was bloated and twisted. He became an unwilling recluse, fashioning floor mats and belts to earn some money. Eventually, he moved with his mother to a new home, where he lived in a house crowded with relatives. Restlessness overcame him, and Ray began taking walks during the day for exercise. His disturbing appearance alarmed locals. Some say he was asked to stay away because he scared children, while other people state that he disliked the unwanted attention. Either way, Ray chose to take his walks in the late hours of the night along State Route 351, between Coppel and New Galilee. Though he was blind, he used a walking stick to help him feel his way through the darkness. After being discovered by accident on his nightly walks, the tale of the Green Man, or Charlie No-Face as he was also called, developed. There were conflicting stories about where the green skin idea came from. Some accounts say he always wore his favourite green plaid shirt, or other green clothes that reflected the colour onto his pale skin, while others say his skin was a pale shade of green. Either way, 
it became a popular local pastime to head out to Route 351 and look for Ray. Those who weren't too terrified to stop would chat with Ray over a smoke and even pose for pictures, often in exchange for beer or cigarettes. Unfortunately, old age slowly crept up on him and he ventured out for his walks less and less. Sadly, he died on June the 11th, 1985, at the age of 74. Hi guys, Brimstone here. Just want to thank you all for watching the video today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Urban Legends was something that's been suggested to me by a couple of people on the channel. and is something that really, really interests me. I, I thought I had to give it a go. Hopefully in the future I can do another part of this. And there will be several of the themed videos coming soon, as well as the final part of the much-loved Maniacs Museum series. If you enjoyed the video and want to see more, you can like, comment and subscribe to my channel. I've got the rest of my videos up there, and there will be another one coming later in the week. So until then, sleep tight.